Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Amen. How many is thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Praise God. I want to draw your attention today to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 12. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Praise the Lord. It's good to have all of our visitors with us this morning. Why don't we welcome them? (laughs) Praise the Lord. And to all of you who are out sick this morning, uh, we honor you today. And we're thankful that you're able to watch by way of live stream. Is the live stream on? Okay. Okay. They're watching by live stream. We're glad that you're watching. Amen. Hebrews 12. Start reading at verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, somebody say, let us. Amen. He is, uh, he is including us in this, in, in this scripture. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. How many know he wrote the story? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary, wearied and faint in your minds. In other words, whenever you get weary and feel like giving up, think about what he went through. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you, As unto children. Elbow your neighbor and tell him he's talking to you now. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If. Somebody say if. If denotes a choice. Elbow your neighbor and tell him if. If ye endure chastening. God dealeth with you as with sons. 
For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. That means you're fatherless. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they, somebody say, your daddy, verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, talking about God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, somebody say afterward. It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The people that are, have chastisement or are exercised with chastisement in their lives shall yield the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Amen. I'm going to talk to you this morning on this subject, just for a few moments, if you'll allow me. Learning obedience. Learning obedience. Why don't we lay our Bibles down on the pew next to you? Amen. Why don't you close your eyes, lift your hands to the Lord. Right now, just ask the Lord to speak to you right where you're at. Amen. Let your heart pray. Lord, I need you to speak to me, God. I need you to minister to my situation, Lord. To the needs of my body, to the needs of my mind, to the needs of my spirit. God, to the needs of my marriage, Lord, to the needs of my family. God, to the needs of this community, I pray that you would minister. God, I pray that you would say what needs to be said. God, that you would do what needs to be done, Lord. That your will would make itself manifest to us in our lives. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Who's going to preach with me this morning? Amen. Learning obedience. What is obedience and why is obedience necessary? We all are subject to obedience. And we all could probably be better at being obedient. Somebody say amen. amen. Obedience is the, the giving in of your own will and what you want to do to someone else whom you deem more reverent or higher or more capable than yourself, right? Or maybe they're in a place of authority. 
And so obedience is being subservient to the will of someone else to do what they have asked you to do or told you to do. Amen? You lay, in order to be obedient, you have to lay aside sometimes your own desires and your own wants in order to fulfill the obedience of what's been asked of you in your life. Amen. Somebody say amen. In some instances, it's easy. But in most, it's not. We say amen. Obedience takes submission. Okay? Submission is yielding. Amen. You, how many know that we have... Uh, there are some kings in this place this morning. You know that? Elbow your neighbor and tell them you're a king. You're the king of your own life. You are. You sit on the throne of your own life, your own mind. How many know that, that you have the ability to make decisions in your life? You have the ability to choose what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Amen. You have the ability to choose if you're going to go to work or not go to work. Amen. You have the ability to choose if you're going to go to church or not go to church. Amen. You have the ability to choose whether or not you're going to commit adultery or not commit adultery. You have the ability to choose every, in every area of your life. It, it, it exercises a choice. Amen. Uh, of every temptation that you've ever been tempted with, you were exercised with a choice. Amen. Do I want to do this or do I don't want to do this? And we can blame everybody we want to blame in our lives. We can look at our mate and we can blame them for the circumstance that we're in. We can look at our friends, our moms and dads. We can put the blame off on whoever we want to put the blame on but ultimately at the end of the day I'm responsible for me I'm responsible for my actions I'm responsible for my own marriage for my family for what I do for what I say for where I go and what I put my hand to do and when I, I feel like preaching already this morning when I stand before God I'm going to give an account of what I yielded myself to and I I'm going to look around and look for all those excuses and all those people to blame. And the Lord's going to say, guess what? You're standing here alone because you made the decision. You made the conscious decision to do what you did. And now you're going to reap the consequences of it. Somebody say amen. amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. <laughs> Elbow your neighbor again and tell him you're the king. You're responsible. You're in authority. Nobody's going to make you do anything. Amen. Amen. They, they might threaten your life, but you don't have to do it. Come on, somebody. Amen. You have the right to choose. That is a God-given right. Amen. You have the right to choose what you want to do, where you want to go, and how you want to live. 
Amen. You have the right to choose it. You have the right to walk in it. You have the right to do it. Amen. God gave you the right when he created you. When he put man and woman in the Garden of Eden and he told them, don't eat of the forbidden fruit. Don't eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Every other tree you can eat of. Every other tree you can partake of. But the one in the middle of the garden, you know which one I'm talking about. You don't eat of that tree before the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Amen. Somebody said, well, if he didn't want him to eat of it, why did he put it there? Because he wants you to choose. Amen. He don't want a bunch of robots running around, uh, a bunch of uh, little cadets that are made to serve him. Come on. He wants us to choose him. Amen. He wants us to make a, a, a conscious decision that we're going to live for him. Come on. That we're going to follow his commands. They had the right to choose. He didn't watch over their shoulder. He didn't, uh, he, he didn't walk. Oh, no, no, don't, don't, don't do that. He didn't. He let them make up their own mind and exercise their own choice. How many know they chose wrong? Eve was hanging around the tree and she partook of the tree and the serpent beguiled her. He's more subtle than any beast of the field. Sneaky. He's a, a snake. Have you ever known any sneaky people? <laughs> Amen. More subtle than any beast of the field. Amen. He knows how to beguile you. He, he knows how to make what's wrong seem right. Amen. He knows how to sidestep your conscience. Come on. He knows how to get you to rationalize your decisions to make it seem like something good when it's sent to destroy you. Amen. He's more subtle than any beast of the field. He's good at it. He makes his living on it. Come on. That's what's in his heart. He is, he is a liar and he is the father of lies. He knows how to make what's false seem real. He knows how to make what's evil seem good. And he's, he makes you want it even the more. Amen. He knows how to do it. Amen. The only way to combat the subtlety of the serpent is to be obedient to the word of God. Come on. The only way to combat the subtlety and the sneakiness of that slithering serpent is to know your Bible and to know it well. To have convictions of the word of God in your life. To have built up walls surrounding your home where nothing outside of the word of God is allowed there. If it's in God's word, I believe it. And that settles it. And that's our responsibility. Somebody say, that's my responsibility. Adam knew the commandment, and he did, he did it anyway. And he sinned and he fell. Brought forth death in our lives. Amen. From that moment on, the, book, the Bible will tell you, if you read it, that by one man's sin, one man's sin, by one man's disobedience. Somebody say, disobedience. Sin entered into the world. And death by sin. 
Amen. So every person born through flesh after Adam was born into sin. The inheritance that we were born into was one of sin and wrath. How many know that wrath rested upon mankind? Somebody say amen. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. They were, they were born into sin. So uh, the things that we deal with on a daily basis are, uh, are universal. We all deal with the same things. Amen. If you're having temptation in your life, guess what? You're not alone. If you're struggling with something of a sinful nature, guess what? You're not alone. Elbow your neighbor and say, you're not by yourself. Amen. We all have a body. Somebody say, I have a body. And with this sinful body comes a lot of appetites that we don't really want to talk about in church. Amen. We don't want to talk about period. But we need to talk about it. Amen. We need to talk about the things that we're struggling with. We need to talk about the things that we're dealing with. We need to talk about the things that are overcoming our life. Come on. We need to lay it out on the, on the altar. Lay it out with your pastor or somebody you can trust and talk about what you're, what you're dealing with. Amen. Because you're not in this alone. And just because you failed doesn't mean that people are going to give up on you or look bad upon you. Just because you've let down and done things you shouldn't have done doesn't mean that people are going to give up on you because we're all fighting the battle. We all need somebody pulling for us. Amen. The Lord said in the Old Testament, I looked for someone to stand in the gap. I looked for someone to make up the hedge. I, I, I looked for someone to make up the deficiency, if you will. I looked for someone because when, when man fell, there was a huge uh, a gulf that separated them from God. Amen. They, they, they didn't have the ability to live the way they needed to live in order to, to, to experience a fulfilling life and to have eternal life. There was a great gulf that separated them from where God was and where they were at. Come on. And where they were purposed to be. And so he said, I looked for for a man. I sought for a man to make up the hedge. I looked for somebody to fill in the gap. Come on. I looked for somebody to make up the deficiency, but there was none. I couldn't find anybody to swear by. And so I swear by myself. God made a covenant with mankind. And he swore it and signed it with his own blood. Amen. And when we couldn't make up the hedge and we couldn't live right and we couldn't do it right. But there was a, there, there was a God in heaven that saw the deficiency, that saw the struggle, that saw how his, how his, how his sons had fallen from grace. And he said, I'm going to make up the hedge. I'm going to make up the difference because there's going to be a man born from woman and he's going his his heel is going to bruise the serpent's head and his head is going to bruise his heel the things that mankind are struggling with he's going to overcome somebody say man clap your hands if you're thankful for the word of the lord hmm. 
How many know that the Son of God is Jesus? He was manifested. The book of John tells us to destroy the works of the devil. All the evil that sin has manifested in your life, the Son of God was manifested to destroy those things. And He has the power to overcome those things in your life. Somebody say amen. Jesus was a son. If you read the book of Timothy, he says, For God was manifest in the flesh. God manifested His character in a fleshly body. And His name was called Jesus. He made Himself subject to. <laughs> he made Himself subject to the world that we live in. He, sub he subjected himself to time. And the Bible tells us that he made himself of no reputation. But he took upon him the form of a man. And became obedient. You don't know where I'm going, but I do. He became obedient. Let me just read this scripture to you. Hebrews 5 and 1. Though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation, wait for it, unto all them that obey him. Okay. He was the son. The seed of the father. Amen. How many know there was no sin in him? But my Bible says, we think that it was easy for Jesus. Because he was God manifest in flesh. But guess what? He had the same. He, he didn't have a sinful nature. But he was subject to temptation just like us. He was confronted with every source of temptation that we're confronted with. Come on. He was confronted with, I feel the Holy Ghost confronted with every source of struggle that we are confronted with. He was confronted with every excuse, every rationalization. He was confronted with every weapon that the enemy has to offer, but he became obedient. Obedience, you're not born with obedience. Obedience is learned. Learned he obedience through the things that he suffered. By the things that he suffered. Obedience was exercised, was the final result of the things that he went through. You know, Jesus took on the sin of all, man, all, all the world. On the cross. It was laid on him. Elbow your neighbor and tell them, that's heavy. I can't even deal with my own issues. Let alone everybody else's issues. If I get on Facebook book for 10 minutes, I'm like, man, 
delete. <laughs> There's too many problems in the world for me to handle. But how many know that he bore the sins of the whole world on the cross? The weight of all that. He, 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 he felt the sin and the weight of the sins of the whole world when he was nailed to that cross. He was destroyed. His fleshly body was destroyed, not because of sins that he committed, but because of sins that we committed. And he submitted himself to be punished for everything that we'd done because he loved us. He became obedient to the plan and the purpose and the will of God in his life so that he could bring many sons to glory, so that he could bring many sons uh, back under the covering uh, of the purpose uh, of the will of the living God uh, but he had to submit to it uh, he had to make up his mind uh, I'm going to do the will of God in my life uh, I'm going to take the stripes take the nails uh, take the sword I'm going to give my life a ransom for many he learned what obedience meant when he was nailed to the cross Obedience is not, you're not born with it. You're, you learn it. Here we go. How do you learn obedience? Think about, just think about it for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. From punishment. How, how do you, obedience is learned. We, we don't come out of the womb and we already talked about it. We have a sinful nature. You didn't have to teach your kids to say no. In fact, that's probably one of the first words they learned. No and mine. Right? We're sinful. Well, I almost wiped out. Thank you, Jesus. We're, we're, we're selfish by nature and we're sinful by nature. Amen. It's no, and it's mine. What's yours? Everything. Whatever, whatever I want, it's mine. I'm going to do whatever I can to get it. Right now, how the world exists, I'm going to step on who I have to step on. I'm going to destroy who I have to destroy, hurt who I have to hurt. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get what I want to get. That's sinful nature. If you're allowing that to conquer or dominate your life, you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. And you're going to end up with some suffering that you don't want to have. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. When my kids were little, um, and we, we'd get around, we like to have fires, and we, we'd get cooking around the stove, and they'd see that red hot, that red hot burner on the top. How many know what I'm talking about? Anything glowing like that needs to be touched, right? It's attractive. When you don't know any better, it's attractive, right? And so they're attracted to what hurts them, but they don't know it's going to hurt them, right? And so I would say, no, that's hot. That will burn you. Simple, right? Where's Luke at? Oh, he's in the back. I won't use you for that. No, that's hot. That will burn you. And I'd take their hand and I'd, I'd pinch their finger. And I'd be like, that will hurt you. That will hurt if you touch that. 
That's good instruction, right? That's the instruction of a father. Amen. Because a father doesn't want his children to be hurt. God doesn't hurt us to teach us obedience. He gives us his word and he instructs us through his word. And through his word, we can avoid the hurt that disobedience will bring in our life. It's not profound. It's not so deep that we can't understand it. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. But us in our need to have what we want to have. You know, there was some of my kids that touched that stove. And, and I'm, you're probably not surprised because some of you at some point in your life probably touched the hot stove. And you found out that the words of your dad or your mom or whoever it was, aunt or uncle or grandma or grandpa, who was trying to teach you a little bit of obedience, you found that their words were very true. That will hurt. Right? And I remember uh, touching... I believe it was Kalen that touched it one time, my oldest daughter. And uh, she didn't, you know, you don't have to touch it, really touch it to get burned. All you got to do is just get close to it, right? And she didn't, I mean, she got burned on her pointer finger, and, and man, she wailed and screamed and cried. And, and I said, hot, hot. That's hot. That will burn you. That hurts. She's like, yeah, it hurts. Yeah. Hot, 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 hot. So then when Skylar came along, she got near the stove and Kaylin's like, no, Skylar, hot. Hot. That, it, it burns. It hurts. That's, that's hot. Because we want to save people from feeling what we felt. Come on. But how would she know that it's hot? Yeah. Yeah. How would she know that, that, that it was going to hurt her? And how many know when you get burned, it doesn't heal overnight? It doesn't quit hurting overnight. It's weeks Amen. That you carry that, that result of, of what you were told not to do, but you, you, you did it anyways, and, and, and you got burnt by it, and now you're carrying around that hurt that you're trying to get over, and trying to get by, and trying to get healed from, because, and, and when you get near that fire again, there's no way I'm touching that because of the impact that it had on my life, and the pain that it brought to my world, and we learn what's right is right through the things that we suffer, the decisions that we made wrong, that we, 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 we might have known somebody told us it was wrong, but we didn't really understand until we took it into our bosom and began to experience it. And then we developed some hurt from the things that we done and the disobedience that we lived in. There's no greater teacher than reality. And I want to tell you right now that reality is a teacher, but it will teach you one thing. God's word is true. He's not here to hurt you. He's here to help you. Give you a better life. God never sends his word to hurt people. But to save you and to help you. Amen. 
How many know that we need to be obedient to what we've heard? We need to grow in obedience unto the Lord. When God sends us a word, okay, there's more involved in it than just Him caring about you and Him loving you. Okay, He's, He loves you with an everlasting love, cares about, about your life. Okay? Uh, God's more concerned about your destination than He is about your right now circumstance. He can heal your circumstance in a moment. Okay? One word can heal your circumstance. But him taking away the pain or the suffering is not necessarily the best thing for us sometimes. Somebody say amen. Taking away the effects, okay, uh, Taking away the pain of a situation and not allowing us to walk through it would not really be the best thing for us. Okay, so if I had the ability, when Kaylin burnt her finger, I, I, I prayed over her. I even spoke in tongues. Right? But praying over her didn't remove that pain and that suffering. The prolonged effect sometimes has a greater impact on future decisions. Right? And so God declares the ending from the beginning. He doesn't operate in time. Okay, we as humans are subject to time. We're subject to right now. Really, all we have is right now. Amen. All we have is today, right now, the moment that we're living in. Really, the only thing that we own and we have is this moment right now. That's why he said, today is the day of salvation, right? Turn ye today. Hear the word of the Lord today. Harden not your hearts unto the Lord, but today. Don't provoke me today. Today is the day of salvation. He's saying that because really all we have is right now. Uh, as human beings, all we have is right now, this moment. God's not in this moment, per se. He's in eternity. And so he's looking from eternity. He's at the end of the story. <laughs> he's the author. Come on, somebody. The only one that knows the ending of the story is the author. Amen. He wrote the story. Come on, somebody. He's the Word made flesh. He is, he is the Word, the, the eternal Word of God, the Logos of God. He is the plan of God, the purpose of God, the will of God, all wrapped up in Jesus Christ, the human being, who conquered death, hell, and the grave, rose from the dead on the third day, and is set at the right hand of the majesty on high with all power and authority in His hands. Not just in earth, but in heaven also. How many know He has all power and all authority? At the end of the story... He's looking at us in time. 
we're over here. Working our way towards him. All right? He's over here. To him. Okay? Uh, he's got an eternal love for us. He's got an eternal plan for our life. The plan for our life is it far exceeds just the earthly life. Come on. The, our legacy that we take with us is not just going to be what we did on this earth. But when we step out of this life into the next, uh, we're priests and kings uh, unto the Lord our God. Uh, an eternal paradise, eternal kingdom prepared for us. Uh, my life is not dictated by what I have here necessarily, but where I'm headed. Come on. So can anybody feel what I'm preaching? And so he's calling the shots. All right? So, Brother Smith, I want you to stand here. You're God. Luke. Run, bud. Appreciate you, man. Plays good drums, don't he? All right. This is us. All right. And this is God. We're moving towards him. All right. Jesus made himself priest. High priest. Okay. I don't have time to go into he's he's the a priest after the order of Melchizedek. A priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's, he's, a, he's a priest and a king. Amen. He, he's, the, he's the prince of peace. He's the king. He, he's, 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 he's the will of God. He's the word of God. But he's also the mediator between God and men. Amen. He, he lowered himself and became the bridge in which we can connect to the will of God. Amen. That we can connect to where we're at and where God's at. Come on, somebody. It's in Jesus who is the ladder. How many know when, when, when Jacob laid his head down on the rock and he began to dream and and there was a ladder stretching from earth into heaven and God was at the top and there were angels ascending and descending on the ladder and he woke up and he said this is the house of God because God was surely in this place that was a representation of Jesus because when Jesus was on the earth he said greater things shall ye see after this manner you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man Jesus is the go between Jesus is the mediator between God and men. He's the, he, he's the one who stands in the gap and makes up the hedge. If you want to know what the will of God is, you got to go to Jesus. If you want to know what the way is, you got to go to Jesus. If you want eternal salvation, you got to go to the author. Wow. And so here he is. How many know the Bible says that we as the church are the body of Christ? Amen. Members in particular. All right. And he talks about the uh, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some pastors and teachers. 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, right? For, for the work of the ministry, right? Well, the purpose of the body of Christ, the church, is to bring people from where they're at and to connect them with God. Come on, somebody. The, the, the purpose of the body of Christ in the earth, the church, is to be the bridge. Come on. He didn't just save us just to save us. He saved us and gave us a purpose. The same purpose that he had or he was birthed for to save people from eternal damnation. Come on, somebody. And so he gave us the church. And so through the Spirit of God, we operate in ministry. Whisper something. You got anything else? God never quits speaking. Right? This is not a game. We're not here just to hear good preaching. Or, or just to hear good music. Or just to be entertained. We're here to go from there to there. Come on. And when God sends you a word over the pulpit and it's directed straight to you and you know it's to you, you know what you, where you, the way that you've been living, what you've been doing, how you've been acting, you know that the preacher's preaching to you. He don't know anything about you. He's not following you around asking people what you're doing. He's been in an altar hearing from the voice of God and God is trying to get your attention to let you know the path that you're on is taking you the wrong direction. Amen. When you get a word from God, you need to fall on your knees and thank God for the voice of a preacher. For how shall we hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach except he be sent? Thank God for every word of God I've ever heard. Thank God for every preacher that stood up and preached it, whether I liked it or not. Thank God for every blunt of the staff, every crack of the staff that got me back in line. Thank you, Jesus, for chastising me and getting me in line so that I can experience what it means to be a son of God. Amen. Sometimes we take it too lightly. There aren't as many people here as there should be. Amen. There aren't enough people watching by way of the web. Amen. There are people going about doing their own thing, doing what they want to do. Amen. It's happening all around the world. But understand to me, that lifestyle will get you one place and that's hurt. That's damaged. And they're going to have to come to the one who heals. And the only one that has the power to heal a destructive, destructed life or, or hurt life or damaged life is Jesus Christ the righteous. They're going to have to come in the same way we came in. For he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. And in order to get through him, they're going 
going to have to come through the doors of the church, experience the church, hear the word of the church. we got to be ready to minister unto the needs of people. Amen. You can be seated. Do you get the idea? We should have a heart to learn. To learn the ways of God. His ways are not our ways. Our ways are not His ways. His ways are higher than our ways. It's the book of Isaiah. As the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways higher than our ways and His thoughts than our thoughts. Whenever I step into a church service, I take that scripture with me. I quote that scripture a lot. That's one of my uh, most favored and treasured scriptures. Because I have to be reminded on a weekly basis that my way is not the way. Somebody say, man, that his way is the way. And when he speaks to me, he's looking from the end. He's already at the destination. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. Right? He didn't just prepare the place, but he prepared the way. He's the trailblazer. He went before us like a good shepherd does. And he cleared out the way. He made the path. He endured the suffering, the shame, everything that, that we face, all the temptation. Everything is under His power. And walking and exercising His dominion over it, He got back sonship. He made the way for us to be saved, right? And so now He's at the end of the story in eternity. And He's looking back at where we're at. And He's not just cheering us on. But He's sending back direction. Have you ever been on the phone with somebody and you know where they're wanting to go, but they don't? My daughter, Kaylin, she's the sweetest girl in this whole world. But she has no sense of direction. We have this app on our phones. It's called Life 360. Okay? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And we got it because our kids... Uh, we're getting into teenage years and they're all starting to drive and, and going different places. And we want to be able to make sure they get places on time. When they show up there, it gives us an alert. They got to their destination. And as parents, we're like, because we know how teenagers drive. We used to be teenagers, right? And, and so she calls me one day and dad, I'm lost. First of all, Noticing you're lost. <laughs> That's the first key. You gotta when you're when you're lost and you don't know you're lost, you're wondering. 
right? You think you know where you're going, but you really don't know where you're going, and you're making decisions like you know, but you have no idea where this road's going to lead you. Right? Do to do. Well, I think I'll just do this. I think I'll just do this. But when God gives you direction, He knows the destination. Right? He knows where it's going to lead. And so Kaylin calls me, Dad, I, I, I'm lost. I said, okay, where are you at? I don't know. What are you close to, right? Looking for some landmarks or something that I can identify her position. Houses. I don't know where I'm at, right? I got Life 360. No, I had it. And so I looked it up and I could see right where she was at. She didn't know where she was at, but I could see where she was at. Without me, she would have never got where she needed to be. Right? She would have kept guessing. It's time to quit guessing. Come on, it's time to quit just following your gut. It's time to quit following your heart and what you want. It's time to get on God's side, get on his path, get in his way so he can show you his purpose for your life so that you can quit wondering. You can experience peace and joy and, and, and live in the love of God. It's a beautiful life. I can lay down on my bed at night and not wonder. I know where I'm going. So I pulled up Life 360, and I could see right where she's at. I was like, oh, there you are, Kaylin. That's what I did. I said, got her on the phone here while I'm looking at her. And I said, uh, okay, I, I got you. I know where you're at. So you're going to go straight, and you're going to turn left on the second road. It's going to be this road. But I'm already past that because the Life360 app, <laughs> there's a little bit of a delay. So we didn't figure in the delay. We just figured direct access, right? Amen. So I said, stop. Because in order to get good directions, you need to stop. Just stop. Stop moving. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop it. Come on. I feel like preaching. Just stop it. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop doing the, those things you know aren't going to lead you. And just stop. Amen. You're, you're, you're asking for directions, but you're still moving. Amen. And a true, uh, uh, the true definition of a repented life is you're going to stop and you're going to turn around. Amen. You're going to turn towards God. And the only movement you're going to make is the movement that you're told to make. So she stops, and I gave it a second, and I said, okay, I see where you're at. This is what you're going to do. Because I could see the way God sees. I could see where she was at. She's in her car, and all she can see is the houses around her, but I could see from an aerial view. Isn't that beautiful? Stand with me all around the building. 
I was able to guide her to safety. But how many know that she had to be willing to listen? And if you ever get lost enough, if you ever get hurt enough, come on, if you ever get damaged enough from learning the hard way, you'll find yourself developing a softer heart. Amen. You'll start inclining your ear unto the Lord so that He can guide your steps. That's why the psalmist said, order my steps in your word. Because when God sees it, when He gives you a, a word, He's ordering it from eternity. And whatever that word is that's coming across, you better follow it. You need to listen to it. You need to obey God's Word because if you don't, there are consequences for our actions. And those decisions that you're making, that's not necessarily the right decision. If that didn't come from the throne, you better back away from it. And you better stop and listen. Me and Luke, one, one night we were out, we used to make fires all the time and uh, when the kids were younger, we would sit around the fire. Even in the middle of summer, we'd make a fire. And we'd sit around and we'd burn old wood that was in the building. We just loved to burn stuff. And we're sitting there one night, just me and Luke together. And he's throwing all this old ratty wood on there. It's got bugs in it. And all these bugs are running for their life. I mean... They're falling off in the fire. They're, you know, they're struggling to make it. And I told Luke, I said, look at this right here, this bug right here on the top. This one little wood roach got up on the top of this piece of burning wood and stopped. I said, look at this guy right here. He's the only one that was left. I said, what's he going to do? There was flames all around him. Smoke, fire. Luke said, started looking at the situation. He's like, well, if he would turn around and come down here and go down this piece and cut, turn right, right here, he can get down and not get burned. And I said, you're like God to him. How old were you? Seven, eight? years old it was a God moment I said you're like God to him you can see what he can't see you can see the way out of that situation that he's in if only he could hear what you had to say if only he could understand your voice you could save him from death he turned around and looked at me and I could see the revelation in his eyes. He said, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. If we could just hear, if we could just stop. Come on.
just stop. Yeah, I know there's flames. There might be flames all around. I know there's trouble all around. I know there's, there's distress. There's anxiety. There, there's pain. There's suffering. I know it's all around. But guess what? God speaks. God is still speaking. Come on, somebody. He's still speaking. He's still on the throne. He still has the answer to your life. But if we could just stop and listen and hear. And be open to receiving and doing what God is saying. He will change the outcome. It'll turn out the way he wants it to turn out. Not the way that the devil thought it was going to turn out when he tricked you. Or when he coerced you. Or when he temp tempted you. Or when he, well, whatever, when he, when he snared you. Whatever it was he was trying to do to your life. Amen. How many know that the power of God is greater than any power that can be set against us? If his people would hear his voice and harden up their hearts and turn to him, he could save them. So I ask you this morning. Are you ready? I know that the Lord spoke this message to me. I know. It's straight from the throne of God. I have felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon me. The whole message. The power of God. is confirmation. It's a witness unto us. That what I'm saying to you is true. God's got a plan for your life. It's bigger. Come on. It's bigger than the struggle. It's bigger than the pain. It's bigger than the mistakes. It's bigger than anything that your past has to offer. But you got to stop. And you got to listen. And you got to do what you're being asked and told to do. And you might not understand it right now. You might not see the end result right now. But I'm telling you, if you listen to the voice of God, you will end up at the right place, doing the right thing, in the right way, with the blessing of God upon your life. You can't get the blessing of God without obedience. You can't. It's impossible. There are people that are trying to get the blessing of God without obedience, and it's not going to happen. Obedience yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness which yield the blessing and the hand of the Lord. Amen. Do you want that this morning? Come on, as we begin to play and sing today, I'm going to open up these altars. Come on, I don't care. You might be walking with God for 40 years, but you have a, a, a renewed desire to, to hear the voice of God and to do what He's calling you to do. Come on, find your way to this altar. If you're done wondering, find your way to this altar this morning. The, the Lord is here to meet you here and to, to, to touch your life and to change the outcome of the circumstances that are set against you. The enemy made it for, meant it for evil, but God can turn it around for good if you can just stop and hear His voice. If you can just just apply the direction that you're hearing from the throne of God. He'll do and keep the promise that He has promised in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.